Welcome to the Rick Essential Podcast, unofficial analysis of Rick and Morty. This is Brandon Saxton. And Katie Gordon. How are you doing, Katie? Good. I'm glad to be back to podcasting after, well, we were both pretty busy the past yeah. few weeks, so we weren't able to podcast. It's summer, and, and there's traveling and, and other things that just sort of get in the way of life. But one thing that, you know, traveling is it's a blessing, and I like to be seeing the world and seeing family and friends. But when I'm away, there's a little piece of my heart that's also missing, and that belongs to podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> I'm never quite complete unless I'm sitting down in front of that mic at least once a week just talking about the shows and the topics and the concepts that I just know and love. I agree. Yeah, there's something Podcasting is my favorite. There's something about it. Sometimes I sit and I, I reminisce about the first time that we ever recorded a podcast, Jedi Council podcast, uh, sitting in your office on campus and just, uh, I think we were both just sitting there laughing awkwardly <laughs> because there, it was just so intimidating. And uh, now we're just a couple of uh, old podcast pros. No problem. So No, it's true. I think that... That I go actually, I won't go back and listen to that. No, I don't think because <laughs> as be we that. approach our hundredth episode of the Jedi Council series, I did I you know I thought what a, I'll go back and recollect reflect, but on second thought, some things are better left in it's true. the memory. <laughs> if, if I had the time and the editing capabilities, I think it would be really fun to release like a greatest hits episode mm-hmm. and go back and cut some of those. But what would be hard about that for our show, and specifically re- probably most related to my skill set of sound editing, is it would be very unbearable to listen to because every episode would have a little variance in sound quality. So it would be not sonically pleasing. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> but that's okay. For today, let's dig back into Rick and Marty. Uh, so first episode that we're going to be covering today is Ricksty Minutes. Did they do this all throughout the show? Did they always do incorporate they always Rick it? into it? I don't think they did right at the beginning, but eventually they start to. Yeah, because there are some, I mean... I'm going to look quick. Uh, no, so they okay. they started this... Oh, on this episode. After this, they put Rick into each episode, which is kind of a fun idea. It is. Do you think that reflects some of the narcissism in the Oh, character? I like that. That's pretty meta. <laughs> so, yes, I think that is the case, because this show is just weird enough to do, to go to that level. I mean, he's fairly narcissistic at the beginning, but, I mean... And another thing to, to sort of point out is that he is aware that he's in a television show. That's we get true. hints about that multiple times, so... Maybe he is sort of injecting himself into the title because even in this episode, that's actually, I think it's this episode. Oh no, it might be a little bit later. He starts to put his own name into kind of a few different words. But as a fan of puns, I am impressed though that they worked that. Oh, in. it's very good. It's yeah, good. it's very nice. So another fun thing about this episode that don't fact check me on because <laughs> I I can't remember this for certain, but I'm fairly certain all of the commercials were improvised, which is kind of fun. Oh really? Yeah. Nice. So it was a totally improvised episode, and you can kind of hear that if you go back and watch it again with that information in mind, you you can sort of tell. But I think it's still really impressive and uh, certainly a fun episode. It is. Well, one thing that I like about it is it's a commentary on TV, which I like. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so I mean. You know, as usual, it's kind of like some of it's on the ridiculousness of like what people get into and watch. And I'm not saying that judgmentally. I've watched some real like stuff that I'm surprised is interesting on shows. Like, oh, one yeah. of, I mean, one of the main themes of it is like what's reality mm-hmm. television. And 
That's, I mean, I'm trying to think. I don't know if Real World was one of the first reality shows on MTV, but that was in the 90s, I think. So it's been around for a while. And I do remember on MTV, I think it was MTV or it might have been VH1, the comedian Dana Carvey was talking about fame. And he was like, basically, like, if you put a grapefruit on TV for 24 hours, everyone will want that grapefruit. And I think about that a lot because I think, I mean, that is part of our culture there is a special shall we call it relationship with fame and famous people and it's it's kind of interesting um there are some downsides obviously to that and we'll talk about some of that and i do think the show hints at some of those you know when especially with reality tv that's further blurring the line between Mm -hmm. kind of entertainment and exploitation and so uh so should we dive into that yeah, for sure. Do you want to do your famous Brandon oh, brief re- right. yeah. recap? Yeah, thank you for <laughs> reminding me of, of that because I, I was about to dive right in. So, um, oh, and to, to be clear, if I've never made it clear, I have the summary right in front of me. I, it's not all from my mind. Oh. No, for, for the listeners. <laughs> I was like, that's really good. No. I have this like, succinct episode. No, never. Memory summary. Um, so it starts off watching The Bachelor, which I think does start to kind of uh, hit off on the point that you're talking about. This is reality TV. Well, I mean, even like the announcement of a recent, like the person that was being selected for the next Supreme Court justice, that was kind of people, it oh, was, sure. it was like, right. It's going to be worked in with the TV schedule. So like, yeah. it's, this is I watching that again had extra relevance. Yeah, to me. absolutely. So Rick's a little annoyed uh, with the quality of earth TV because of course, everything that's normal is just too boring. So basically, he upgrades the cable box so it shows TV from every conceivable dimension uh, that exists. And so they see Jerry and some of these, they see each other, and some of the family members get really uh, kind of enamored and wanting to figure mm-hmm. out what their alternative versions of, versions of themselves are doing. And Rick doesn't really care. He's not interested in that at all. He sort of clicks right past it. So he gives them a pair of goggles so they can see through the eyes of their alternate reality or alternate dimensional selves. While he just wants to watch kind of the normal boring TV so Which that in and of itself says something maybe about him because I think all of us kind of, it's natural to look back. I mean, some people do this to a point where it's maladaptive or mm-hmm. unhealthy and thinking, well, what if I had done this and made this decision? Mm-hmm. So, but it's natural for most of us to wonder, like, what if this one thing was different or would have been mm-hmm. on a different path? But he's just like... Not curious nope. about that. <laughs> He's not interested even remotely. Yeah. Um, so uh, particularly Jerry and Beth kind of get caught up in these goggles, and, and this kind of goes down a fairly uh, disappointing or, or existentially challenging arc for Summer because a lot of their alternate storylines don't involve them having Summer, and that's challenging for her because she tends, starts to perceive herself as being unwanted throughout the episode. Because she was an unplanned pregnancy. Yep, exactly. And then uh, Morty and or Rick... she was the result of an unplanned pregnancy. Yeah. yeah. And Morty and Rick kind of just watch the kind of normal, boring commercials, and that's where all of those are improvised, and there's not a lot of sort of content to unpack with those parts. They're very funny. Mm-hmm. Um, and then eventually Summer kind of gets fed up with her parents, and uh, she goes and joins them watching TV, and uh, Jerry and Beth kind of... A divide comes between them because they're not together in a lot of these realities, and then in the end, they come back together, and it's that's kind of the overall arc of the episode. Yeah, so I think the two main things, we talked already a little bit about mm-hmm. the TV theme, and we could probably get back to that, but then the other theme, too, is wondering about purpose in life yeah. and regret and, and things like that, and so... 
um, you know, like you said, there are Summer and her parents are kind of having different experiences because mm-hmm. there is this hint that her mom sometimes wonders if things would have been different if she hadn't had a child yep. earlier, you know, and is kind of thinking about that. And it's interesting because in the end, it's kind of a sweet moment between the parents where they're like kind of grateful that things worked out the way that mm-hmm. they did after going through, like really thinking it all the way through. And that seems to me like something that reminds me a little bit of in therapy if you're like kind of having shallow thoughts about the things that keep happening in your mind like i think about a worry or a worst Mm -hmm. case scenario it can just you keep coming back to it if you process it in a shallow way but if you actually say let's really go through what that would be like if Mm -hmm. your worst fear happened which Mm -hmm. is similar to exposure therapy or let's really talk about what if this alternative storyline happened and really go through it and then they kind of move through that and then come out i mean obviously this is in a weirder way than what happened in reality but they end up being okay with where they Mm -hmm. are and it's interesting because it's like her the the resentment or regret kind of changes after seeing oh I could be down this pathway and I might have been more successful in this particular way, but I wouldn't have had what I had. And Mm -hmm. so that's pretty interesting. But Summer's storyline gets resolved differently than that. Yeah, absolutely. So as she's wearing the glasses, you kind of click the button to cycle through the different dimensions. And she clicks it a number of times and there's no no versions of her. And I think if my memory serves right, there are a couple where she exists, but the majority of dimensions don't actually have a Summer. And so this is pretty troubling to her, and she actually goes and, and starts, like, packing her bag. She's kind of going to get the heck out of there. She feels like her parents don't want her. She feels like she's not fitting in. She's having a pretty existential kind of crisis mm-hmm. because probably something that it's kind of hard to imagine that you don't exist in most versions of reality. Mm-hmm. And so Morty goes and talks to her, and, and this is one of the nicest moments between Morty and Summer um, because, as we saw, I think, in the episode prior to this one, um, Morty and Rick died in this dimension, and the Morty and Rick were there actually from a different dimension. And so Morty goes up and talks to her, and he kind of points out the back window where they're kind of these freshly covered graves where he buried his own body. And he explains that to her, and he kind of has this interesting dialogue that finishes with him saying, Nobody exists on purpose, nobody belongs anywhere, everybody's going to die, just come watch TV. And I really like that. It's sort of dark, of course, and I like it for a really specific reason. It's because it's you can really see Morty kind of starting to get the same mindset as Rick here, where in which he's kind of accepted uh, because of the things he's seen in, in the chaos and the randomness in the universe that things just happen and there's no control and sometimes there's no meaning. But wherein Rick kind of takes that to mean nothing matters and he's miserable about it and he's always seeking thrills or, or trying to escape or avoid, uh, Morty's just sort of accepted it in kind of a positive way and says, look, nothing really matters, so why don't you just come and hang out and mm-hmm. let's just enjoy it for what it is. And like, let's just be in the moment. Like, it's interesting because in a way it's like saying your deep crisis isn't that special, right? right. Because like, it's just... Um, and it's a way to unify humanity. Like we're all, like we're all connected in this one way. And so, but it, you're right. It has a very different flavor in terms of what type of behavior results from that. Which I do think is, I mean, Morty and Rick have very different personality configurations. So I think that's a big part of it. But you're right. I think it's a nice. It's sweet, right? And it's not mm-hmm. obvious that that's the thing that she needs to hear at that moment. Mm-hmm. And yet, it it does help her. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know? And 
it's another nice example where Morty's taking what was actually presumably a really traumatic mm-hmm. friend. I think uh, in that scene, which was one of the first really, I think, powerful scenes of the show, mm-hmm. where he's burying his body, he's shaking, and uh, he takes this really traumatic thing that clearly impacted him in a in a powerful way and turns it into something positive mm-hmm. trying to help someone else. And I think that's another example of where Rick and Morty are really divergent characters because um, he's using these ne- this negative thing that happened to try to help someone and that's not something that you get from Rick almost ever. Well, I, I, think, I think you're exactly right. And that theme of we make our own meaning, it's not something that is given to you. Mm-hmm. In fact, you're given no me- like that that whole idea. I mean, it's a theme in existential therapy. It's a theme in dialectical behavior therapy, mm-hmm. which is a therapy for um, borderline personality disorder and that's been used for other things, where there's a specific skill where it's like you, you're you in charge of making this meaningful or deciding. It's not something that's granted to you. Sorry, Mike. Okay, sorry. That's okay. <laughs> um, so I think that that idea of like, we're all given this set of circumstances and depending on how you look at it, mm-hmm. um, that you have some power in in creating your life in the present moment and it doesn't have to come from having it all figured it out mm-hmm. or having been handed this i don't know intrinsic sense of meaning yeah i think and that's a one of the important parts too is it morty's not saying that he has it all figured out or that he's even okay mm-hmm. he's just saying look let, let's just try to just be right now and i, I think that's a powerful part of it mm-hmm. it's interesting for our listeners, um, my contact was bothering me, so I'm sorry if that... I think it's fixed now. Okay, otherwise we can take a break <laughs> if we need. Okay. Um, so... I mean, I don't think they need that inside information, but if they're wondering why all of a sudden I sounded weird. That's the weirder thing about, than about the show is you, you get the full picture of what's going on. Um, so it's, it's an interesting... Uh, it's definitely an interesting part of this episode, and actually I think a really interesting character arc mm-hmm. and really reveals some development for Morty, um, on which I think he probably wavers just because of that's how writing goes and narrative, kind of narrative storylines. But he's really he's seen a lot now more than more than most humans. Oh uh, yeah. Um, and hard to get over like what he's been through. Oh yeah. I mean, just, and yet there's so much worse to come. There really is more horrible things. It's it's bad news for Morty, but uh, to see him turn that into something positive for someone else, I think that's nice. Um, what else do we have for this episode? We have, so where we have Morty kind of turning these negative things into positive. We also have Beth and Jerry both seemingly having regret, yeah. um, spurred specifically by in uh, Beth's. Alt, they kind of focus on specific alternate dimensions, and one she's a like a heart surgeon or like a surgeon for humans. This is a running joke about the show. She's a horse surgeon, which they classify as being not as technical or as advanced mm-hmm. as uh, a human surgeon would be which I don't know the truth about all of that but that's kind oh, of the, it sounds it sounds very technical to me. to me yeah um, and then um, Jerry is like a like an actor I think like on par with like Johnny Depp or something so yeah that's it, sort of interesting too and how they kind of dig into this regret and they aren't happy with kind of the choices that have led to their lives now as they're experiencing relative to what they're seeing in this alternate dimension but then throughout kind of the arc of what they're watching that uh 
um, Beth and Jerry are revealed to be not happy in the cir- circumstances in which they're experiencing, and it's because they actually separated from one another, and it ends with like a pretty outrageous police chase where Jerry comes back to Beth and kind of professes his love and says that he regrets that things never worked out between them, and this makes uh, Jerry and Beth feel a lot better, kind of in the prime dimension. Which I actually think is pretty profound because, again, kind of talking about um, if you have this sense of regret or things could have been differently and you don't really like, I mean, they get to see how this works out and how, like, what they thought would make them really happy, which are mostly career achievements in those particular Mm -hmm. scenarios. They're not together, so they, it gives them a new way of looking at their existence as it is in reality i Mm -hmm. guess or at least in that in the main reality in the show and i think that that's i think that's important because i think that it's easy to have ideas i certainly do this most people do of what would make you happy or if things were different you would be happy in this particular way or maybe you should have done something differently and in reality we don't know those counterfactuals like you do in the show where Mm -hmm. you, you get to see these other realities but it's something to keep in mind that you, you know, we, you, your ideas could be wrong, mm-hmm. you know, and anyway, there's kind of also a therapy kind of component to this, which is you can't change it anyway. Right. So there's really nothing you can do except for try to learn from it and keep it in mind in the future, kind of get, you know, glean some wisdom from it and, and then move on, you know, that, I mean, that's how it goes. You don't, there aren't time machines no. that I'm aware of yet. Um, but, um, you, you just can't change it. And if you're just walking around with this, like kind of resentment or regret about the past and it's not being used in a useful way, again, feel your feelings, grieve that, go through it. But then I think it's important to confront the unrealistic ideas that one might have about how things would have been different if you would have just, just done this one thing differently. Mm -hmm. And now obviously I'm talking in generalities. I'm sure there are specific examples that are exceptions to this. Oh, absolutely. I mean, but either way, you can't change that. All you can do is cope with it. Therapists are really good at that, at helping Mm -hmm. you kind of process these things, glean the lessons and move on to the next thing. Mm -hmm. All right. Anything else for this episode? Um, well, we were going to oh, talk yeah, a little TV. bit about the TV thing. Yeah, I told the main thing that I totally skipped over. So just as an example, like they have Weekend at Dead Cat Ladies, which oh, is man. very disturbing. I mean, it's playing off of Weekend at Bernie's. Right. Side note, I had a weird memory as I saw that. So when I was in day camp, when I was a kid, we watched Weekend at Bernie's, which seems really inappropriate for kids. So I'm hoping that's a false memory, but I don't think so. That's pretty specific. I'm going to check with my sisters and see if they have that same memory. Anyway, the premise of that movie, for for the youngins out there, even though it is a classic, is basically like Bernie is dead, but they're acting like he's alive the whole time. Yeah. And, I mean, that's weird. It's even it's much grosser and weakened at Dead Cat Ladies, though, yeah. because her body's like falling apart, and this person's like in love with her, and... Let's just leave it at that. It's it's pretty disturbing stuff. But the point is people are watching it. And I do think that speaks to the point of like, first of all, people watch a lot of weird stuff. Secondly, like there is this like humans, we are intrigued by disturbing, strange mm-hmm. things. And I think that people on TV know that. And so 
Um, with reality TV, though, I think it does what, like we were talking about before, it does blur the lines. Like, for example, there are some shows that try to do therapeutic interventions, and we've talked a little bit about this before, where it's like the show Hoarders or mm-hmm. something like that. And so, like, I do think that people on that, they're hoarding, they get some help. But at the same time, like, there's, they're definitely, there's a conflict of interest in that there's interest in making it entertaining to people yeah. like people are, can watch and disgust and intrigue about their homes being mm-hmm. an utter wreck and their lives being you know just totally destroyed by their hoarding problems and so they get treatment and you sometimes learn some evidence-based things in there but at the same time like now everyone knows about this yeah. person and so I think ethically that's really challenging, but even this very recent example on Twitter. So like, I think a lot of people, I like Twitter overall, Mm -hmm. but there are some issues. And one thing, I mean, a lot of people are interested in getting like a viral thread or something like that. And sometimes those viral threads are like stories as they're unfolding. And sometimes they're really sweet. Like there was some video of just that lemon rolling down the road. Did you see that? I didn't see that. It was like a quarter of a mile of a lemon, like rolling down the sidewalk and like a lot of people retweet they like that so sometimes there's stuff like that on the other hand there was this person who um this woman who she was with her partner but i think she was the main one tweeting it out she got on a plane it's the hashtag plane bay story and um basically switched seats with this woman and then made it sound like a meet cute love romantic comedy story where she mm-hmm. was like live tweeting all these updates they're talking their arms are near each other now they're talking about this about the the two people sitting okay. in front of her and so after she did that like it did go viral a lot of people were paying attention to it the man who was in the seat in front of her was fine with it like he mm-hmm. said you know that was me and he tweeted about it the woman wanted to maintain her privacy though mm-hmm. and she was not happy about it and i thought this statement was worth talking about um so this is a statement she issued i'm a young professional woman on july 2nd i took a commercial flight from new york to dallas without my knowledge or consent other passengers photographed me and recorded my conversation with a seatmate they posted images and recordings to social media and speculated unfairly about my private conduct. And I think there, what she's talking about, I think there was a hint that like, oh, they're both getting up at the same time. Like, what are they going to do or something like that? Mm-hmm. And I mean, it was literally speculation, but yeah, this blew up. And um, since then, my personal information has been widely distributed online. Strangers publicly discussed my private life based on patently false information. I've been dock shamed insulted and harassed voyeurs have come looking for me online and in the real world i did not ask for and do not seek attention hashtag plain bay is not a romance it's a digital age cautionary tale about privacy identity ethics and consent please continue to respect my privacy and my desire to remain anonymous so i actually thought like this rick and morty episode reminded me a lot in terms of the like voyeur part of it and um our interest in other people's stories. I think those are all very natural things. But in this case, this, you know, there are people who would argue, like, if you're in public, you just don't have any privacy. Right. But there's something that I, I don't know. I think that this, especially after she said, you know, she didn't, it's not like she asked them both and was like, is it cool if I, you know, post all this stuff to Twitter? Yeah. No, she didn't do that. And like, also the, the, 
woman and her partner who were posting this like afterwards were were trying to get like jobs either writing or doing mm-hmm. like a news story so it did seem like for personal gain or something yeah. like that and I'm not even saying like I have no empathy for that I think that's a very hard thing to break into but at the same time it almost felt like she wasn't really empathizing with this woman as a person it seemed more like it became this like I don't know, uh, means to an end. Yeah. And so anyway, I I personally am uncomfortable when people post, especially if it's identifiable, pictures like from, of people, especially if they're making fun of them on Twitter yeah. and it's just some stranger. Like I've seen like, you know, they're making fun of what they wear or all this right, kind of yeah. stuff. And most of the time, not that many people see it. But, but anyway, I, I just... Again, I don't think that you, it's like you're a bad person or you don't have a conscience if you do this. I just think it can end up being like this self-focused thing on fame and like launching yeah. a career that that really can take away from some of the human element of it. This reminded me of something else that's only tangentially related, but specifically uh, in the way of how people get so involved in the lives mm-hmm. of others. As you and maybe listeners know, I'm a pretty big fan of the show Arrow. I'm behind on it now, but but I like the show a lot. And in the show, there's kind of this these two people that a lot of the fandom kind of want them to be in a mm-hmm. relationship and have since like the very beginning of the show. But what's weird about it is that the uh, the actor Stephen Amell, he's married and has a wife, and his wife gets all of these really weird threats and stuff because people are saying like she's getting in the way of the relationship between the two actors on the TV show. And it's, I don't know if I'm explaining it clearly, but it's no, so no, bizarre. No, no, it actually it reminds me of like with Rick and Morty about the Szechuan sauce thing and other yeah. stuff that, that fans, it's like, it's, it's like, I guess when anything gets big en- enough, you're going to get some people who are going to do some yeah. really disturbing yeah. behavior. But it's, I don't know, it's just... Yeah, it is the same kind of thing. Like, you're too caught up in this and you're not actually thinking about the people involved, yeah. you know? Real humans mm-hmm. who are being impacted exactly. by, this, by something that you're fabricating. Yeah. It's really bizarre behavior. So I don't know if Rick and Morty meant all that, maybe. Yeah. But that was the thing that really stood out to me. Yeah. Is just, what does it mean that, like... And I don't know if it's still like this, but it seemed for a time, like... There were a, just a ton of reality shows. Like, oh, yeah. I don't know because I don't, I now more stream things. So, yeah. like, I don't, and they're mostly not reality stuff, but. It's my sense that it's as big as ever, but I might be wrong. Okay. It's really just kind of an You're probably kind of right. Sense. I just, I haven't, you know, I guess the main reality shows I lately watch are like chopped. <laughs> yeah. It's <just> pretty <laughs> it's safe. Totally different situation. Yeah. They're just cooks trying to cook. Yeah. Chefs. <laughs> um, but anyway, so I. Overall, I think these two episodes had um, had some really good points. Oh, I guess one episode. <laughs> yeah, we haven't gotten to the <laughs> we second one yet. We talked about the two big themes in it. The next one maybe will be brief, so we yeah. don't keep our listeners too long. Yeah, that sounds good. We are at the 26-minute mark. So <laughs> the next episode, Something Ricked This Way Comes, kind of a fun one. And like a lot of Rick and Morty episodes, kind of two concurrent plot lines that are going on. So the one kind of... Uh, Summer ends up getting a job at an antique shop, which... Um, in true Rick and Morty fashion, ends up being run by the devil. Which, what's kind of interesting about that is Rick is an atheist, and he's literally met the devil now, which is kind of a fun little thing. Um, and 
basically the devil sells these items or gives away these items that come with harmful curses. So what Rick does is sets up a shop across the street where in which he gets rid of these curses. So people can buy it or get the free item from the devil. Rick will get rid of the curse and then people have this cool kind of piece that they've gotten for fairly cheap. And uh, the devil doesn't like this and conflict ensues. Meanwhile, and maybe the storyline that we'll focus a little bit more on, is uh, Jerry's helping Morty with uh, his homework and basically says, you know what, Pluto's this planet, uh, Pluto is a planet, and Morty's like, I'm not sure Pluto is a planet anymore, kind of commenting on the real-life uh, kind of debate or changing of the classification of Pluto. And so they're actually abducted by Plutonians to their planet, where Jerry's mistaken for a scientist, and uh, he's saying Pluto is a planet which makes him instantly popular because Pluto is overrun by corporate mining, which is shrinking and destroying the planet. Um, and because he's saying Pluto is a planet, that makes the people kind of not be concerned about this mining that's going on. So there's kind of these, this pushback against him by these scientists like, no, you need to quit saying this. Like, the planet's going to be destroyed because of what you're doing. So isn't that interesting? Because I think, well, another thing going around like Twitter was like, who counts as a scientist? And also, is, does science ever have political yeah. influence? So That's... Uh, <laughs> I mean that's a whole separate podcast. Yeah. That's that. There's a lot to unpack. I've been following those threads too. And... No, it's true, but it did remind me of that because it's like there are motivations about yeah. whether or not. Like so, then again, I think, and I didn't mean to interrupt your no, narrative, but that part did stand out to me. It's like it, it does hint at this larger point about science um, not being this perfectly objective, settled thing. Like sometimes yeah. it's misunderstood to be. Yeah, absolutely. And then also the kind of the way that scientists sometimes are pitted against corporate interests, yeah. which is kind of interesting. Mm -hmm. um, and then, like you've already aptly pointed out, kind of the idea that, like, there are people who say, you know, leave science to scientists and leave politics to politicians. They shouldn't be mixed. And what, I mean, there's so much to talk about with that sort yeah. of topic because I think, I don't want to get too political, but I think a lot of times those... When people are telling scientists to stay out of politics, it's a way to kind of minimize arguments that have factual um, basis or at least evidentiary. Yeah, it's basis. politically motivated. Yeah. Right? So and, and so and I and I, and similarly, there are examples right where scientists might discover something that doesn't fit with something politically, and that would yeah. influence them because scientists are humans. And yeah. so the idea that whenever someone claims like these compartmentalized type situations yeah. i'm skeptical oh for sure yeah so. as a scientist absolutely <laughs> and someone interested in politics although most of us are but um yeah so i i, I like that because it it's showing the point basically it's like it's not just Pluto's a planet or it's not. There yeah. are some vested interests yeah. going on there. Yeah, which is kind of fun because mm -hmm. I think that the... I think this has been settled for a while now, but this was kind of a thing where people were uh, kind of making... I don't know if fun or making light. It was a fun thing that kind of when this categorization of Pluto changed, people were kind of getting involved in like sticking up for Pluto. Yeah, like yeah. Underdog kind of planet. I don't know. I thought that was kind of fun. Yeah, one Not of my favorite light, rappers, Aesop Rock, wrote a song called Bring Back Pluto. Okay, very good. <laughs> just really just getting in that debate. <laughs> so it's fun that they took something like that and uh, and added this whole other element of what was happening at Pluto, which is e kind of exactly. fun. Exactly. Well, yeah. And I mean, that, I mean, this has a lot of 
I think, relevance for psychology. I mean, first of all, whether or not Pluto is a planet or not depends how you define planet. And mm -hmm. that is something that scientists are constructing. And while you might have scientific indicators, um, what you decide fits into a category mm -hmm. or not is going to involve scientists deciding what those what yeah. those are what the category is and how to mm -hmm. measure the components of, through which that category will 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 they will or will not fit that category yeah exactly and then how are people impacted by that now yeah. in this case we get to see that the plutonians are impacted yeah. but of course in in psychology we have the diagnostic and statistical manual of mental disorders and mental disorders are things that as well, Jerry's not talking about this. He's talking about scientists. He's like, oh, some committee, science committee decided to change it. I disagree with that committee. And um, a lot of that is how diagnostic systems within mental disorders are done. I mean, there are committees. They mm -hmm. sort through research. But in the end, there are some judgment calls. And some of them, I mean, the priority of that system is clinical utility, meaning how does it impact the people? So if this is depression mm -hmm. and we define it this way, how does what does that mean for people who present with things? Are they going to be identified as having a problem? Are they going to be able to get matched to the right mm -hmm. treatment? So, I I mean I'm interested in classification systems anyway, Absolutely. and also these various influences that go into mental health diagnoses. So I was intrigued by that point in the show. Yeah. I, I'm not prepared. This is a, actually a pretty serious topic that I want to be more prepared before we dig really into. But it reminds me a bit of the World Health Organization's uh, gaming disorder yes. kind of diagnosis, mm -hmm. uh, which there's been a lot of debate about and an interesting commentary on kind of people who are for and against this disorder. But one thing that I mean, it's the same sort of thing where in which a category has been developed and the decision needs to be made who will fit in this category. Is there evidence to suggest that the people who do fit in this category are experiencing what we define as a disorder. So there's a lot to sort of unpack in that process, and it's fun to see you kind of, not fun's not the right word, it's interesting to see that process happening that kind of mirrors what's going on in the, a little bit in what Jerry's talking about. I agree, because it's kind of like psychology is often considered like the soft science, yeah. but even the hard science, is there are these decisions that are made and that mm -hmm. there there's not this like objective thing it's like we are identifying and naming our reality and we're trying to do our best to use tools to do this that basically check our biases but that's not exactly how it works and within mental health disorders i mean people have been concerned about conflicts of interest with like do pharmaceutical companies have motivation for certain things to be called mental health problems? Do insurance companies mm. have motivations for certain things not to be called mental health problems mm -hmm. or or not to be viewed as severe? Um, and and so I, you know, I think both of these are larger Jedi Council episodes oh, yeah, about sure. diagnostics, including about gaming stuff. But I, th I think it's important to acknowledge that. And one of the clear examples i think of something that was called a mental disorder that we've talked about on our jedi council podcast is when homosexuality was considered a mental disorder it was removed from the diagnostic and statistical manual in the 70s and part of that was because of scientific arguments saying like this doesn't seem like what we've decided is a mental disorder mm -hmm. meaning it's distressing and impairing in and of itself rather than because of societal prejudice and those types of things. That's that's part of it, but a lot of it was also activism and, and pushing on saying, you know, this is why this shit doesn't belong to mm -hmm. be in that. And then it was decisions that were made. Mm -hmm. And so 
it's but in the hard sciences there are things that happen around this too so anyway mm -hmm. i thought i like with pluto so yes <laughs> pluto is a good example of that yeah that's a good episode which i don't understand pluto in depth but <laughs> I took one it was kind of a fun astronomy class i always called it astrology as a bit of a goof <laughs> which not to Everyone can be interested in astrology, but there are differences between astronomy <laughs> and astrology, of course. Um, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that one astronomy class I had, I think Pluto was a planet back when I took it. You know, I think it was when I took it too, but hard to say. Times have a change. Yeah, I but, um, so. But anyway, I like that. I One other theme that I think um, that they talk about is, that we've talked about on Jedi Council before too, is, is basically Rick is using the the word that like mental retardation used to be the name of the diagnosis and here's another mm -hmm. example in the diagnostic and statistical manual of mental disorders that's not now called intellectual disability and it was one of the reasons it was changed is because that word started being used basically in a disparaging way yep. and um so so rick kind of comments on that i'm not you know he uses that word and and basically is told not to use the word. It's like, I'm not disparaging the differently abled. And then he just continues to use the word. Yeah. And his point, so first of all, I, I'm all for not saying that word. I'm not trying to offend people at all. I'm all for that. But his point, I think, also gets to the idea of these shifting concepts and yeah. constructs. I don't know if that's the intent of that comment at all. But he's basically saying, I'm literally, the word means like, slower, right? Yeah. It's at a slower or a lower developmental level or than the average it was meant to be descriptive and that was replacing words like imbecile and moron and things mm -hmm. that are certainly used in disparaging ways oh, yeah. now and so to me again for a classification person and also who wants to be sensitive and purposeful in the words that i use i thought that was an interesting conversation now rick is not sensitive not but, but he represents people who are push back on that kind of thing like mm -hmm. oh you're not supposed to that word anymore so i thought that exchange was kind of interesting yeah one last thing that mm -hmm. i have to kind of say about the episode is it was interesting we i we didn't cover the kind of rick and summer storyline as much but <clears throat> summer in a lot of ways i think has been yearning or interested in having a relationship with rick like she sees that morty has which i don't know if her representation of the relationship that rick and morty have is actually accurate to the reality but she wants to have a relationship with rick so in some ways this relationship that she has with the devil i think is to kind of a placeholder for what she wishes she has with rick and then the devil turns out i mean maybe unsurprisingly sort of given the nature of the devil to betray uh summer and kind of cuts her out of the company and um rick and her then get like very buff and just like beat up the devil yes. and then other like <laughs> hateful people that they see which is sort of an outrageous kind of end credit scene but it is kind of well to the extent that beating up people can be nice it is nice to sort of see rick and summer bonding yeah i guess i will say because you can tell that's something that summer has wanted yeah you're right that is because it is morty like even though it's such an unhealthy relationship yeah. it's like still he's the one going on the adventures mm -hmm. and, and those types of things so that is an interesting change yeah and, yeah um maybe we'll conclude i don't know if you want that's all to i've got with some some sciencey quotes sure <laughs> Do you, oh. 
Do you have one lined up? Well, <laughs> no, just keep talking, stall okay. for me. No, 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 I do. I, I just, I think that um, they, well, they go back and forth about the the Pluto thing, arguing and stuff like that, and they talk about the model of the solar system. But what, one thing they say is sometimes science is about conviction. I just think that that's a very concise way to talk about how you cannot, you can't separate your convictions or purposes from you can't pretend like you don't have them as a scientist we can work very hard and we should take several checks in place and that's what philosophers of science and people within science talk about but any again i guess it's just going back to the main thing about science which is skepticism that there's pure objectivity we try to correct that but if we understand the way that humans think it's not purely there and so i think investigating these other things that might be influencing our decisions mm-hmm. is important. It's certainly important in mental health where it oh, impacts yeah. people. That was a very nice closing. I like that. Thanks. Okay, <clears throat> let's wrap it up there. So uh, a couple, we've got a couple more Rick and Marty episodes under the belt. I think we'll have one more episode, and then we'll be done with season one. And uh, not that that sort of means anything, but it is a kind of a milestone. And then we'll move on to uh, season two. And thanks for everyone who's continuing. We're getting closer to Pickle Rick. We're getting closer to pickle that's key. again. Which, that's where things really start to turn. Yeah, that's kind of what was the <laughs> catalyst for this whole show. Yep. So, <clears throat> for the folks who have been listening in, thank you so much. And uh, you'll hear from us again soon. Bye.